Hello, and welcome back to the Truly Twisted Minds podcast. Part two. I am Amber. And I'm Trish. And we are now going to embark on part two of our Manson family murders. When we left off, they had committed the murders at the Tate home. And to say that the Los Angeles news network sensationalized and completely freaked out the city is an understatement. There was all of this talk of there being uh, orgies at the house, um, drugs at the house. There's like devil worshiping. and this all stems because stems back from when Sharon Tate had first started in the industry. She had done um, a couple of movies that had like occult themes. And of course, um, the press just took that and ran with it. Because, you know, you cannot portray a part without that being your actual lifestyle and all Mm -hmm. okay and so they printed all of this stuff in the press and our next unfortunate victims the la biancas when they were on their way home from a um vacation at a lake they stopped at a gas station and they bought a newspaper mm-hmm. which did um show on the front page the news about the murders and rosemary in particular had been very anxious about this and concerned and it was reported that she even discussed this concern with the attendant who sold the newspaper to her mm-hmm yeah, and um, now, mind you, this is at, like, oh, I believe it was between, what, midnight and 1 a.m.? 1 to 2 a.m., I, mm-hmm. I believe is what I read. Yeah, and then they ended up going home, and it was very shortly after that that the um, Manson followers... Uh, basically came in through an unlocked door an unlocked back door okay so um apparently charlie himself decided to go along this time around to ensure that they would um not have such a messy situation like the night before he wanted there did not be as much chaos the victims to be restrained and compliant and they wouldn't want them to panic so he went up and scoped out the house and viewed um the man we know la bianca sleeping on a couch and then he and tex watson went in a back unlocked door as trish just stated and um they woke up lino and he was at gunpoint and they bound his hands behind his back Mm -hmm. and then they 
woke up Rosemary, his wife, and brought her to the living room and proceeded to bind her as well. Yes. And then once this was... This was um, done. They were told that they were only going to be robbed and not harmed. Yeah. To kind of... To ease their minds, so to speak. Yeah. They're like, as long as you cooperate, you'll be fine. What have you. Mm -hmm. And then Charlie Manson left the house and sent in Patricia Krenwinkel and Leslie Van Houten and instructed them that the occupants of the home be killed yeah and again um there was so much carnage lino was stabbed um oh what was the number on that Um, 12 times with a bayonet that's, a bayonet <laughs> that is crazy and then stabbed another what 14 times with the carving fork yes the two-pronged carving fork mm-hmm. and then war was carved into his stomach yep and a knife was inserted into his throat yep a steak knife from the kitchen their own kitchen yeah and he, he also had a, a pillowcase over his head, correct? Yes. And as far as Rosemary went, they had um, taken her back to the bedroom before um, her husband's demise happened. Right. And wrapped um, uh, the lamp cord around her neck, right? Yes. It was a... Um, they put a pillow over her pillowcase over her head and wrapped a lamp cord around her neck. Mm-hmm. And once she heard the commotion of her husband being attacked, um, she freaked out and fought back, trying to save herself. Right. Um, trying to hit them with the lamp that was tied around her neck. Which you know, go Rosemary. <laughs> And apparently, um, according to Tex Watson himself, he went into the bedroom hearing that she was not being controlled and stabbed her with the bayonet six times. Wow. Um, I believe they said. And then he went back to um, what he was doing with the husband, Lino, and the girls proceeded to stab rosemary starting with um patricia patricia krenwinkel stabbing her the majority of the time but then um tex had come back in and told leslie that she needed to get her hands dirty and she proceeded to stab her another 16 16 times yes yep and clearly again this was massive overkill because there was no doubt that mrs labianca was most likely dead before she even stabbed her that last 16 times oh yeah she probably died after the bayonet attacks because i mean you have to figure the size of a bayonet and if you and the 
according to the evidence that they found, many of the stab wounds had been inflicted post-mortem. Wow. So, it again, it was just a matter of... Overkill. Enjoying mm. what they were doing. Massive overkill. And making sure they weren't going to walk away. Yeah. Um, then, once the... Uh, killings were done apparently tex watson cleaned off the bayonet and showered in their house and patricia krenwinkel wrote rise and death to pigs on the walls and helter skelter misspelled on the refrigerator door a-l-t-e-r it's like uh no that's not right but you know grammar nerd here sorry (laughs) okay Apparently, after the 12 wounds with the bayonet, uh, Watson was done and he was dead. But it was Krenwinkel that did the um, 14 puncture wounds with the two-tined carving fork and planted the steak knife in his throat. Good God, woman. Yeah, so she clearly enjoyed what she was doing. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and they all went up there clear-headed. Like, none of them were on acid or anything. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And the three that were left at the house, um, Charlie had told them to hitchhike home after they were done with the crime. Yeah, which you could never do today. Mm, Yeah, never. And then um, they had taken uh, Rosemary LaBianca's wallet with them charlie Mm -hmm. had and he had um two other family members with him and they they... linda kasabian again right yeah yep and then she went um she was supposed to go to another place to kill someone else well it was apparently going to be um Charlie and uh, Susan Atkins and um, Clem? I think so, yes. That were going to um, commit another crime in another home, but that never happened. They ended up just ditching the wallet in the gas station bathroom in the women's bathroom, hoping that, quote-unquote, a black woman would find it, in which case the focus would turn to the black community and freak out the white people and help in perpetuating this race war, unquote. Which, again, just... Why? (laughs) You just have to ask yourself why well because charlie was jesus christ reincarnated and his vision due to the recordings of the white album of the beatles and his um being more aware than most people he could read between the lines and see these messages saying that there was this huge war bigger than any wars all the wars put together are going to happen and it, black 
quote unquote Blackie was going to have his day and they were going to rise up. And then, like we had said in the first episode, they were going to, Charlie and his followers were going to come out of hiding Mm -hmm. and become their masters and show them what to do. And they were going to be slaves to them. So, in other words, not a whole lot of crazy from Charlie contributed to this. No kidding. (laughs) So, after all of this craziness, they um, found their way back to the ranch and whatnot. And then the next night... um, Rosemary's 15-year-old son um, had come home and he became concerned when his mother and his stepfather didn't answer the door. Right. Um, So he calls his sister and his sister and her husband came to the home. to the house. And they agreed that the boat being left in the driveway and the blinds being shut were all out of character. So they went in that back door that was unlocked to investigate. Mm-hmm. And the husband um, told the sister to stay in the kitchen. And she was the one that saw the misspelled helter-skelter on the fridge. And then the husband and son find Lino in the living room. Yeah like my goodness that poor kid well hell poor son-in-law poor son-in-law too i mean what what do you even say about such a thing i mean that would be so traumatizing yeah to walk into that scene you would never be able to get it out of your head never no kidding So, so after sad. after all of this, um, somehow they still did not connect this crime to the Tate murders or, or the, Hinman the Hinman murder. Even though we've got all of these phrases, you know, that are all similar um, written in the victim's blood. It's like I'm sorry, but even an amateur person would pick up on that. And these are supposed to be seasoned detectives. (laughs) And yet they discarded this fact and they um, went with the whole drug house, party house theory. Yeah, it's like, oh, nope, it's just dope. It's dope. It's dope thing. Dope thing gone bad. Pretty sure they messed that one up. No kidding. And then we have the um, news crew that finds the bloody clothes. This is a little ways down the road. Um, After these murders, they end up relocating to another farm. Where is this at located at? Oh, Barker Ranch. Barker Ranch, yeah. I said farm. Another ranch. Sorry. My bad. Um, 
and that's located over in Death Valley. Mm-hmm. And they end up getting arrested there in October for a completely unrelated crime, which is um, auto theft. Yeah. So they were suspected as an auto theft ring and they were all hauled in to the police station. Mm-hmm. And I were they released for this? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they were released. Yep, they were released because they didn't have the evidence to hold them. Right. And then the following month, or two months later in December, they, Manson, um, Tex Watson, um, Susan Atkins, Linda Kasabian, and Patricia Krenwinkel are indicted on murder and conspiracy charges in the Tate killings. And the La Bianca murders, along with um, Leslie Van Houten, included in that mix. Because, um, one, they found the clothes due to the news people. Um, one of the news uh, stations had followed the story um, when Susan Atkins had talked to police and had basically given a very graphic like word for word account of what happened of like where they went and everything and the news crew they followed that and because they followed that they find the clothes instead of the police it's like really well, e- this um, interview happened, it says December 1st of 1969. And then the news people followed her vague instructions mm-hmm. and found the um, items that Trish just mentioned on this, in this area, this ravine area or whatever. Yep. And then you have um, the little boy who found the butt light gun. Mm-hmm. In his backyard. And that happened in September of 69, wasn't it? It's September 1st, yeah. September 1st. And, so... they, and it sat in a lockup in, what was it, Van Nuys? Yep, in Van Nuys for like five months. Yeah, and nobody Again, nobody made the connection. It's like... Nobody thought twice about it. Really? <laughs> And it, it was just a, a lot of cases of the police messing up. <laughs> just not... I don't know if it... I don't want to say incompetence, but you kind of have to say incompetence because, mm-hmm. you know, they're not doing their job. Right. So now that we've got um, Charlie and the family members in jail, then the trial starts. And what a circus that was. It should be, it should be noted right here that three of the family members, uh, Linda Kasabian, uh, Patricia Krenwinkel and Tex Watson were not in the state of California. Um, I believe Linda Kasabian had gone home to be with her family again. 
and Patricia, Patricia Krenwinkle was in like Alabama or something and Tex Watson was in Texas <laughs> and um, once uh, Linda Kasabian found out that she was wanted she returned to California and turned herself in so that's how she ended up being there and in turn became a star witness for the prosecution um, the other two fought extradition and eventually Patricia gave this up and she ended up going back to California as well. But Tex Watson never did, which, as I'll say later, he was why he was tried separately. And you got to remember that they were indicted in December of 69 and the trial began in june of 1970 yep and what baffles me is why charlie and the girls were all tried together it's like why would that be they were all allowed to sit in the same courtroom and there were a lot of shenanigans that happened you got to remember that Charlie made this grand declaration that he wanted to be his own counsel because no human could represent him and nobody was smart enough to do it. He was the only one that knew himself and blah, blah, blah. Even though the judge was like, this is a very complicated case. I do not recommend you do this. But he insisted he wanted to and that did not last long. No. He made a couple of speeches in court and they deemed that he was incapable of providing an adequate defense for himself. So he had to um, choose counsel. Which, wow. And one of his um, defense attorneys actually ended up missing. Yeah, they had gone to trial and there was a two-week recess. Um, and this was in I don't I don't know the exact date of when he went missing. I want to say it was in nineteen seventy. Because they didn't find him until the following year. Right. Because um, they had um, Ronald Ronald Hughes. Hughes. Yep. He he was originally the first uh, defense attorney for Charlie Manson and Leslie Van Houten. And... um, And he, his death was kind of suspicious, if you ask me. He ended up becoming the sole um, lawyer for Leslie Van Houten because he um, felt that the um, it was going to be easier to convince the jury that the girls were under Manson's influence when they committed the crimes to try to reduce their sentences. Right. And Charlie didn't like that and probably had him killed. Mm-hmm. According to 
um, sources, Manson was very upset for him compromising the strategy because mm-hmm. he wanted to have the girls, Charlie wanted to have the girls testify that he was not involved in the slightest bit and they alone committed the crimes. And apparently the girls were willing to do this, but um, they refused to have them mm-hmm. do that. And, and then um, during the um, break, Ronald Hughes had gone camping and somehow he went hiking and then there was something about he was found between two rocks, but get this. He was found naked. Exactly. And I don't know about any of you, but my first step in going on a hike would not be to become bare butt naked. No. Pretty sure that would be a bad idea. And how authorities could say that, you know, this wasn't suspicious is beyond me. But I hate to say it. Then again, we're dealing with the LAPD. Basically, they had found him on the air around the area of the Barker Ranch. Um, and they searched for two weeks, and then they found him. He was badly decomposed and naked, like she said, and he apparently had been eaten by animals, and his entire right arm was missing. So once it came down to it they um hypothesized that he was stranded in a rainstorm and flash floods on this hiking trip and they said there were no signs of foul play quote unquote and um like we said who goes hiking naked that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me but no yeah, so lots of crazy stuff happened in the duration of this trial. Um, they shaved their heads, they sung songs, they... Carved X's in their foreheads. Lots of craziness ensued. But ultimately, in January of 1971, they were found guilty of the crimes and sentenced to death. Mm-hmm. and um this was 1972 that the death penalty was abolished in california correct and in a separate trial i mean we have this trial with um atkins and um Clinton. all the girls yep um in a separate um, case, um, Tex Watson was also convicted and sentenced to death. But, again, all of their sentences were commuted to life in prison because California abolished the death penalty. So, as it stands, um, after that, Leslie Van Houten conviction was overturned in august of 1976 but she was retried twice and at the third trial she was convicted of two counts of murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder so she's obviously 
still incarcerated. Yep. And as is Patricia Krenwinkel. Yes. And Susan Atkins ended up getting cancer. Yeah, brain cancer. And, and she, she passed away um, in September of 2009 in prison. Correct. And then... Even after um, she pleaded to get released so she could live the remaining days not incarcerated. But it's like, you didn't give any mercy to those that you killed so why should you get <laughs> yeah um and then charlie manson finally passed away in november of 2017 after spending that majority of his life in prison mm-hmm. and i hate to say it but may that man rot in hell <laughs> <laughs> couldn't have happened to a nicer dude yeah and basically, the people left in jail, Bobby Boussoulet, um, Patricia Krenwinkel, Tex Watson, and Leslie Van Houten, they have been repeatedly denied parole. Mm-hmm. And supposedly, the majority of them are like model prisoners now. Yeah. Tex and... Watson's a minister. Mm-hmm. Um, and the girls have completely denounced Manson. Manson and his ramblings. Teachings, if you want to call them that. So, essentially this is all a very sad story that was something that could have been prevented had these um, people, his followers, not been so completely and utterly brainwashed yeah. by Charlie Manson. Mm-hmm. But and I mean, I think he is the epitome of true evil. It was also said that he was a big fan of Hitler, and um. He, like, studied his ways and how, and these different, like, schools of thought and how to, you know, befriend people and influence them. Manipulate them. And how best to, you know, psychologically Mm. manipulate them. And all of this knowledge came to him because he took, he took um, part of these courses in prison. And basically, I mean, he said it. And most people would be like, yeah, whatever. But he said that, you know, our justice system, our correctional facilities are were his parents. They taught him his ways. And in a sense, that's true. That is true. Now, you think of that. And obviously, Manson should have never you know, gotten out, which thank God he never did. Now, with the remaining followers, do you think that they should be paroled? Honestly, you know, there's a a lot of times you would say, 
or I would say in particular, that people deserve a second chance and whatnot. But this is a very different scenario. I mean, do I think that they should be out in society? Should I take their word that they're changed people? I don't know. Should I show them the same amount of courtesy and mercy that they showed their victims? I, if I was in the family shoes, I'd say, hell no, I should not give them any courtesy. They need to stay where they belong Mm -hmm. in prison. Yeah, I'm, I'm torn because I, I can see the family side to keep them, you know, locked up. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I think they've obviously paid their dues. And that is definitely a debate, a debate, a debate (laughs) we'd like to throw out to you, our listeners. Um, What do you think? Do you think they've um, spent enough time behind bars? Do you think they've paid their debt to society or do you think they deserve to rot there? You can let us know how you feel about the situation and whether or not you feel they should be paroled on either Twitter or Instagram, both of which are at Twisted Minds Pod. Twisted Minds Pod. All lowercase, all one word. And that's both Twitter and Instagram. Those are our handles there. Feel free to comment on our posts or um, drop us us opinion. And hey, even let us know what you want to hear next. And with that, we conclude this episode episode of truly twisted minds and we want to know how you felt about the episode what i like she said what you might want to hear in the future want to hear us ponder about in the future and next time we are going to delve into the truly twisted mind of diane downs who tried to take out her children and actually killed one of them and that episode will drop on march 14th so stay tuned for that all right this has been amber and this has been trish and thank you for listening to the truly twisted minds podcast we'll catch you later peace out